1: Show and uh, bringing up things up to date as far as cars and things go. Always remember that you're, uh, you know, you're offered the opportunity to call in and talk to, to them if you've got a a problem with your automobile. Then you can reach them at 501-823-0965 when they're on the air with us. All right, the uh, AG there in New York City's got problems, folks, when it comes to former President Trump. You know this whole thing about uh A presidential uh campaign contribution uh that Bragg is trying to push right now uh against Trump and uh, trying to uh, say that it's some kind of a of a felony and it's it, it, just to be honest uh this is all uh, pardon the uh, the pun, but is a trumped up charge against the former president. Here's what's the latest on this now. The Daily Mail reporting that Michael Cohen's claimed uh, or claimed that he was not reimbursed by Donald Trump or his organization for hush money payments uh, that were made to porn actress Stormy Daniels in a 2018 letter to federal authorities has uh, made daylight now which contradicts his recent grand jury testimony which means he's lying i mean the, the, the whole question came down on this was uh, michael cohen lying in the first place or has he when he changed his story is he lying now in one way or the other he's a liar and uh, now they they've got the proof that he was never paid that hush money, which he said that he was paid with that uh, with uh, by Trump for the hush money uh, in a check for hundred and thirty thousand dollars and so you got a real problem here for the uh, uh the A g here's the first problem a uh, confidentiality agreement is is not is a legal document. People can sign confidentiality, confidentiality agreements all the time, and they do it all the time. Uh, I mean, within my contract here at uh, Salem, if you read it, it, it says that I can't talk to anybody about business dealings that occur here at the station. Now, that's a confidentiality agreement, and if I break that, they could sue me. I don't intend to break it. Why would I Would I tell other people about what my company's doing so that uh, the company would lose money? And it's the same thing here. I mean, Stormy Daniels was paid $130,000 and signed a confidentiality agreement to not discuss about what it was about. Michael Cohen came out and said, well the reason that uh, they gave her that money is because depends on when you li- listen to him well at the very beginning he said it was paid to uh, keep uh, you know the first lady uh the future first lady from being you know embarrassed by uh, what trump had done and then you had the uh, the, the situation the the, the situation uh, that uh Uh, Later on, here just recently, Cohen came on and said, no, the reason that money was paid was because uh, it was to protect Trump's uh, campaign. So it was a, a campaign issue, a campaign contribution. Well, bottom line, we now know that it was not a campaign contribution. So now the AG is stuck trying to convince a grand jury that a campaign contribution that isn't a campaign contribution was a campaign contribution. And uh, it looks like they're sitting there, you know, looking at this and saying, I don't think we want to we want to go as far as uh, indicting the former president. So anyway, that's that's uh, where we're at on this. Uh, they were supposed to met yesterday that 's the grand jury uh they didn't uh It has now been determined evidently they will not meet the rest of this week and so there's no uh indictment coming down, and a lot of people who have you know invested a lot of information and money in this are looking awful bad uh as far as as this is concerned. All right, quick break, and then we 'll be back with more. So, eleven
2: minutes after eight here on the Dave Ellswich show All right, let's get back to it. Uh,
1: I had, we called the DEA three times yesterday, couldn't get a call back, trying to get some information from them about this uh, new story uh, that busted yesterday. And I wanted to talk about it, but I don't want to just talk about it. I want to talk to somebody who's got the information that can talk about it from, uh, you know, a justice uh, standpoint or whatnot. DEA would be the people to talk to. We'll see if they get back to us today. Uh, But this is a a brand new story uh, that the town hall busted yesterday. The Drug Enforcement Administration has issued a new warning about the widespread threat of fentanyl that is being mixed now with a flesh-eating drug that has been seized in a majority of U.S. states. Authorities caution that there has been a sharp increase in the trafficking of fentanyl mixed uh, mixed with what's known as trank, which is only approved for veterinary use, uh, also known uh, this trank uh, is making the deadliest drug threat our country has ever faced uh even more so than black tar uh you know uh, heroin and things of that nature, and it makes fentanyl even deadlier. that was uh, from administrator Ann milligram. Uh, in a statement she made yesterday c n n reporting as the fentanyl crisis continues to wreck communities across the country, Philadelphia is now grappling with this powerful animal sedative known as trank, that has quickly found its way into the vast majority of the city's drug supply now i don't know if this is it, being a a veterinary uh uh sensitive. i don't know if is if it's, this is related to pcp in some way cuz that's what pcp was uh back in the late 60s and 70s and they used to cut marijuana with pcp and other things uh to to give you a uh a, a longer and uh higher high uh but it could kill you and it could really mess with your with your head, in fact, you talked to police officers that have had to deal with people uh that are high on p c p and they'll tell you that uh they're nearly uh, uh, to the point that they can't be uh brought down by one person. It takes several people to bring a person down that's you know on this stuff now I'm wondering if this is the same thing uh uh, with this new stuff called Trank that's going on, uh, and cut, being cut, and fentanyl is being cut with it, so that it it prolongs the euphoric experience uh, of the drug. And so, uh, we'll keep trying to get somebody on from the DEA to talk about this and how prevalent now is it here in uh, the 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 world of uh, Arkansas. You know, it's uh, evidently it's made its way into uh, most states. I think it's interesting that the DEA not even really talking about this until it's spread across our whole country before talking about it uh, to uh, to the American public. But that that's where we're at as far as uh, this this drug uh, is is concerned. Well, I don't know if you heard this, but there was another shooter out in the Denver school district. Uh, this uh, student shot two staff members, and then he uh, he f- he uh, took off. He fleed and drove into the forest uh, by the school. Ma- uh, the male student shot and wounded two faculty members at the Denver high school and then fled the scene spurning a a citywide search for his whereabouts. Uh, The shooting at East High School was reported at about 9.50 in the morning. Police and medical responders arrived on the scene very quickly to find uh, two adult men with gunshot wounds. One faculty member is in stable condition, the other is in critical condition. The student suspected in the shooting, who is under 18, was under a school safety plan in which he was patted down every day. Now, may I ask a question? Why would we allow a student into the school system that's got to be patted down every day to make sure that, you know, they're not going to do something crazy, not going to have a knife, not going to have a screwdriver, not going to have a gun. Uh, He had to be patted down every day. During Wednesday's search, a handgun was retrieved and several shots then were fired in an office area in the front of the school, away from other students and staff. CBS reporting paramedics were able to immediately tend to the wounded men because they were already at the school to treat a student's allergic reaction. Uh, Students were uh, being released early. School wouldn't be open for uh, the rest of this week. Denver Public Schools Superintendent Alex Marino has said, by the way, uh, some additional information on that, they found this student's truck in the forest, and then they found him not far from the truck and with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So he had uh, committed suicide. Uh, so there was, look, I I understand that we don't want to you know, finger people and say, well, they, they got problems and, you know, but we got to keep them in school. If they're a danger to the point that you've got to pat them down every day that they come into the school, you're, for no reason at all, you're putting everybody else in danger. I mean, that that's just about, I mean, this would not have happened if this kid had not been coming to school. He showed up, he had a gun, and evidently they found it when they went to take it, he got it back and, and, and shot uh, two administrators. Luckily, he didn't just decide to go you know postal basically, and walk around the hallways and start shooting as many kids as, as many kids as he wanted to. This person had some serious, serious mental issues. You know, I agree we got to have you know uh, rules in place for mentally disturbed people, but when you got mentally disturbed people, you don't let' them, let them just come into your school and do this kind of stuff. I mean, am I wrong aaron i mean i I personally think that that's crazy, uh, even more crazier than evidently this student was. And I know people hate it when I say they were crazy. Well, imba- unbalanced, you, you pick the word, all right, and we'll use it. But the bottom line is this person ment- was mentally sick that they had to be patted down every day, and it's a, it's the wrong kind of policy to have at a school that that person gets to walk into the school every day even though he's evidently so dangerous, he's got to be patted down every day. It's nuts. If you were you're young enough, you can remember the school shootings when you were in, in school, uh, Aaron. Would this be something that you would be a little bit confused by if the school system that you had gone to was letting somebody in that was this dangerous?
3: The kid would have gotten expelled from the school that I went to and probably would not be back to our school especially because yeah that's just that's outrageous and it's 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 just one of the many problems in some of the kids now that are in these schools because and I think a lot of that has to do with social media to be honest because social media has created this new platform that makes these younger kids and young adults think that they're in an alternate reality, and they don't have to live or go by how rules are set and made on the planet, pretty much.
1: Yeah, I just don't, I don't understand why they were letting him back into the school. Yeah, that too. I mean, that's just. I, I mean, mean crazy. they were patting him down. He had to come into you know where the administration was, so they could take him in a room and pat him down to make sure he didn't have a weapon on him. See, that goes back to the school not wanting to hurt. Anybody's
3: feelings, in my opinion, I think that with the, the school not kicking the kid out of school or not allowing him allowing him to come back, they you know think that I don't I don't know. That's that, my whole look on that. Pretty much is them trying to save face if they were to let the kid come back to school.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is on them. This shooting's on them. Now this. I, I mean, I know the kid shot the the people, all right, but you gave him the opportunity to shoot the people by letting him in your school. That's 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 insane. That that is pure insanity to let somebody in that you know is that type of uh, of a problem and uh, can cause that kind of problem within your school system. If I were a parent, I'd be raising living hell about this. I, I mean, would
3: too. I mean. I,
1: I would not feel comfortable as a parent
3: sending my kid back to that school that has the kid that tried to pull a gun at school. Is
1: there anybody else in that in that, the school system that has, you know, I don't know if this kid, the problems were, you know, with anger management or whatever, all right? But he was so dangerous that they were patting him down every day. That. I mean, look, the kid could have gone off and instead of attacking somebody with a gun or a knife or even a, a whatever, he box cutter, you name it. You know, maybe he would attack somebody just with his fists. You can do a lot of damage by beating on somebody, too. This this sounds like this is a person that was on a hair trigger to me. And uh, they they should not have been back in in uh, a, a school for that. I'm And I'm sure hoping that they don't have... Those type type of uh, policies at any of the the local schools here in Arkansas. Uh, I don't I don't think it, it's that way, but I don't know. I have no idea. As a parent, you need to find out and make sure that that's not uh, not not a case. But again, let me go over what happened. Denver school, and it, that it happened in Denver in the area of Columbine is is amazing that they haven't learned uh, as, as far as that kind of stuff goes. But uh, they had a student that he couldn't come to school uh, unless he first, when he arrived, was talking to administrators and being patted down to make sure he wasn't bringing any weapons in now. Why did they have to pat him down? I don't know. Did he bring a weapon in before as far as concerned? That's not discussed either. Here's another thing. If I'm that kid knowing that
3: I tried to go to school and shoot somebody, how in the world are you going to be able to do that while also going to school with kids that know you tried to do that? Like that's that has to, when if he has mental illness, that is a hundred percent going to make it worse because
1: there won't be any friends involved. No, everybody's going to avoid him like the plague. You know they're going to move away from him. They're not going to want to hang out with him. It's just like that that person yesterday in the story I was talking about the, uh, the about the trans bill and saying that you know he had a daughter in school and nobody wanted to be their friend. Well, you know kids kids know kids that are different and I'm not saying it's it's wrong to be different I'm just saying that if your child is different you need to find out where the difference is and why it's happening you know that i i put some i put some real problems here with parents as well I don't know the home situation don't claim to know it uh, but uh, the home needs to be doing something about it. Uh, and more than anything else, the school needs to keep the kid out of the, uh, the school. Totally. I mean, he, did, he didn't even make it past the administration department. And they found the gun and the, he started shooting people.
3: Well, that and, again, we go back to the bullying side of this. I mean, I could imagine, like I, like I mentioned a second ago, the kids that know he did this. I'm, there, you cannot. You you can't go back to that school, thinking that nothing's just going to happen. I mean, there's there's no, there's absolutely no way.
1: All I know is if I knew there was a another student in my school, and they were that dangerous, I would avoid him. Like I said, like the plague. I wouldn't get close to him. I see him come down the hall. I'm going the other way. I'm avoiding him at all costs. Because he's a he, he's a walking time bomb that's a, a, exactly what he is. all right, got to get to Hannity.
2: let's do that here on the Dave Ellswick show. The answer. So that makes me wonder tomorrow, since I live in Cabot,
1: if the uh, severe weather is only going to be up to Jacksonville. Is it going to be sunshine tomorrow? I know it's not going to be. I'm just being facetious with you. A hey, Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, uh, came out swinging yesterday against China during an interview with Piers Morgan saying that the uh, communist nation represents the biggest threat that the U.S. faces and that he would not tolerate an invasion of Taiwan. Uh, The remarks come as U.S. officials have increasingly warned that China is preparing to invade the island nation and that the U.S. may end up at war with China in the next couple of years. Uh, Taiwan is of utmost uh, strategic importance to the U.S. because the overwhelming majority of the world's advanced semiconductors are manufactured by the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, or TSMC. Former Trump National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien said earlier this month that if China invades Taiwan— that the U.S. will destroy TSMC's facilities rather than allow China to capture them, which would make them the new OPEC of silicon chips and allow China to control the world economy. Quote, the United States and its allies uh, are never going to let those factories fall into Chinese hands, O'Brien said. DeSantis was asked about the increasing tensions in the region during an interview with Morgan on Fox Nation and whether the U.S. should get involved if China invades. Quote, that would be aggression, DeSantis said. Absolutely, that would be aggression. Taiwan is a strong ally of the U.S. I think that it's a uh, critical interest for us, but also for our key allies like Japan and South Korea. And I think overall the number one issue that we face internationally is checking the growth and the rise of China. Uh, they're much more uh, powerful than Putin and Russia are, and they really represent the biggest threat that we've seen for our ability to lead since of uh, the Soviet Union. When asked about whether he would ban Chinese-controlled TikTok, DeSantis responded, I would. Think it's a security risk? They are harvesting so much data on our citizens, DeSantis continued. There's a whole bunch of other apps and stuff that are out there, and honestly, appears uh, I've got young kids. I don't want our kids on some of this stuff. It's not healthy for them. The TikTok in China is sanitized. It's more wholesome. Here they're putting on a lot of uh, bad stuff too. So I think it's had a, uh, uh, a corrosive impact, but that in and of itself wouldn't be enough. What's enough though is how they're harvesting uh, that uh, data to use against the American people. So that's something uh, to keep in mind about what uh, Governor DeSantis has to say about that. That falls in line pretty closely to what uh, former President Trump believes. It does not fall in in line with what President Biden has said. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen as far as President uh, Biden is concerned. Uh, and that's why, uh, though I know a lot of people didn't like the whole idea of the government giving all those tax breaks to companies to build uh, semiconductor chip uh, factories in the United States, to, to break the chain on that, I'm more than happy uh, to spend uh, uh, public money uh, to make sure that we get those high-end chips that we need made here in the united states so that we don't run into again what we did in the pandemic where we couldn't get chips uh, and uh, you had you know car dealers uh, that didn't have cars to sell uh, because they didn't have the chips to put into those cars uh, so those cars would run correctly i mean there's still some there's still there's still uh, cars out there that are like that right now. Uh, you might have you might have bought yourself a a 2023, getting ready to buy a 2024 uh, that's going to be coming out in a few months, and they'll say, well, this and this and this won't work because we don't have the chip that goes in uh, to the computer system in your car, maybe to run the air conditioning on your seats or the heater on your steering wheel or uh, something dealing with uh, your information center or or whatnot. There's all kinds of problems out there uh, still with supply chains, and it's because of uh, those supplies not being made over in China the way that they're uh, supposed to. So uh, keep that in mind uh, as well. Uh, as well, Okay, so some other stuff that's out there uh, that you, you should know about. And this is a story that uh, broke just here uh, over the last uh, couple of days. In New York City, uh, a trans cyclist, I try to keep you up on these stories, by the way. So let me scroll down to the story that I had. And uh, a transgender female won a woman's cycling event in New York City over the weekend, becoming the latest transgender female athlete to face pushback over athletic achievements. In a uh, social media post from New York City Cycling News, Tiffany Thomas can be seen standing atop the winner's pro, uh, podium last weekend at the Randall's Island CRIT, a cycling series held in New York City. Thomas, a member of the L.A.-based women's cycling group L.A. Sweat, stood alongside two other women who came in second and third place. National Review saying, Thomas's victory in New York City was not an uh, anomaly. Uh, the cyclist has placed in various competitions in recent years, costing two women uh, titles, while Thomas's teammates are all between the ages of 24 and 32, Thomas is 46 and only started cycling at 40 years old. Fe- female athletes in sports ranging from skateboarding to powerlifting to swimming are increasingly dealing with male intrusion. Uh, I guess you heard the story here not too long ago of the uh, powerlifter lifter. That is a a man who is uh, identifying as a woman, and uh, the powerlifting organization that governs uh, their sport said, "That's eh, all right. You know, no harm, no foul, except that he's resetting all the records in the record book, because as a male, uh, just the physiology of being a male gives him a decided advantage about this." I'm going to be interested to see how long it's going to take before women get fed up with this. I mean, I, I if I were a woman, I, I'd be beyond this. I mean, it's costing, you know, some of you women's daughters are not going to end up with college scholarships because of this.
3: I mean, it's got to be infuriating. I can't imagine how women feel about this. I mean, it's.
1: It's crazy to even think about at this point. It makes no sense to me. I mean, it really does. It makes no sense to me. A man is a man. A woman is a woman. And never shall they meet. They can't be equal. Doesn't work that way. I don't care how many puberty blockers. I don't care how much uh, testosterone reduction. In the womb, that testosterone goes a long way in making uh, the the ability for a male child to increase muscle mass quicker. Uh, And uh, it's just, it's insane. It really is insane. It's one thing to have, you know, co-ed sports. It's another thing to make uh, women compete one-on-one with men. I mean, it just is. It's not right, and uh, they're tearing down. Look, as long as as women have fought uh, to to find their place with their own sports teams, I mean, be it whether it be hockey or whether it be wrestling, whether it be uh, tennis or baseball or fast pitch softball or track and field or whatever, it's taken them. Hundreds of years to get a get a level platform to compete on. and now uh, people are allowing men to get into women's sports and to totally erode and turn those sports upside down. It's ridiculous. Uh, and, and i I'm very much a woman's sports kind of guy. Uh, I won a national award from the Women's Sports Foundation uh, dealing with women's fast-pitch softball because I, I used to do it when I, I did boys' baseball, and I went to my boss, and I said, Hey, look, boss, if we're going to do the guys, uh, there's a lot of competition in the girls' sport. Let's do the sports, uh, the, the women's fast-pitch as well. And I don't know if uh, the old uh, station, WJOY, uh, in Crown Point, is still doing it or not? I mean, it's it's been sold and and bought by several different people. If they're still doing it, uh, it was one of the the, the biggest listened to segments of the radio station was the girls' sports. Uh, I made sure that we did uh, girls' basketball and and all the rest. It was just something that uh, the fans wanted, and it's something that the the parents and the families wanted. They wanted the same coverage for their daughters as their sons got. All right, let's take a break. We got more to go here as we finish up the second
2: hour. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101, The Answer. I don't know if you... Read this story or not a couple of days ago,
1: uh, Aaron. But uh, students and even faculty members are just completely out of uh, out of their minds anymore. Uh, this is a story from National Review I got. Uh, Stanford Law Dean Jenny Martinez released a detailed letter criticizing the students who heckled Federal Judge Kyle Duncan... And uh, announcing that DEI Administrator Tyrion Steinbach, who interrupted his lecture, is now on leave. Martinez declined to submit to calls that she retract her letter of apology to Duncan and emphasized that Stanford's speaker disruption policy was violated by both students and administrators. Uh, At an event hosted by Stanford's Federalist Society, that would be a conservative group, by the way, earlier this month, Duncan, who sits on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, was expecting to give a wide-ranging lecture on recent decisions that uh, the court had handed down. However, uh, if you heard the audio of it or were trying to watch it, Uh, on uh, the Internet, and you looked at the video, it showed that the judge was immediately heckled upon beginning his talk with students shouting obscenities at him. When Duncan asked an administrator to intervene, he was subject to Steinbach telling him that he was tearing the fabric of the Stanford community apart. So you have the administrator that's not stopping the students. The students, you know, this is a a form of censorship when you shout somebody down so that they can't even talk. They're making so much noise. They're shouting so many things at you that nobody can hear anything that you're saying. That's taking away your First Amendment right. Stanford has some rules about that. And the dean uh, put uh, the... uh, the DEI person on uh, administrative leave because of this. But the students, you know, they want her to retract that letter. She says, nope, not going to do it. So I give the dean credit uh, on this. Uh, The dean was, uh, the law dean was uh, Ginny Martinez, uh, who who stood her ground on that. And that's good. And it was a detailed letter, by the way, uh, criticizing the students who heckled the federal judge and Announcing that the DEI administrator Tyrion Steinbach had uh, interrupted the lecture as well, with I I I go on to the story to make the point that the left does not care to get into a uh, a discussion of ideas. Their idea is you have no idea to share with anybody and so they start screaming and start cursing at people and make it impossible for them to present uh you know their side of the argument per se so they just uh, they just stop people from being able to uh to exercise their own freedom of speech so I'm glad that uh, number one that they're going to castigate the students about this, and uh, number two uh, that uh, they went after uh, this uh, woman who is the DEI person, diversity equity person, uh, from uh, you know basically egging these students on. To do what they were doing, telling the speaker, "You're tearing the fiber and the fabric of the Stanford community apart." Blah blah blah, and and, and now she's talking down to the speaker, uh, as as well. Used to be, everybody was looking forward to special speakers to come in and and to speak, uh, whether they were you know pro or con the topic that. You believed in, but that's not the way it is anymore. You just can't do that in you anymore. Uh, you're going to get shouted down, or you're going to be uh, cursed at, or whatever. It's a it's a sad situation. Not going to say it didn't happen uh, back when I was younger. It did. Uh, I I saw some different people yelled at while they were trying to speak as well, and it's just a form of censorship. That's exactly what it is. Now, the difference between then and now is they removed you from the premises if you were doing it back in the day. Now they don't. You you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. don't want to be doing that. All right, let's take a break. Uh, We've got another two hours still to come. Don't forget, in the 10 o'clock hour, uh, Dr. Connor Cohen is going to be with us. Uh, He's a, a specialist. He, to talk about uh, climate, and he's going to join us about it and talk about the new U.N. study that just came out earlier this week that said in 10 years, doggone it, 10 years, we're going to we're going to pass the point of no return to save our planet. We'll talk to him about that. That's going to happen at
2: 10.05 right here on the Dave Ellsworth We move into the 9 o'clock hour. Don't forget, 10 o'clock, right after
1: the news, we'll have Dr. Connor Cohen. He was on with me at CPAC, a very learned man, and uh, he's got his uh, Ph.D. uh, around earth science and things of that nature, and uh, he'll be talking about the U.N. report that came out earlier this uh, week uh, dealing about global warming and how they're... You know, trying to scare the bejeebies out of everybody again uh, by saying, uh, "By ten, by ten years from now, you know, they wag their finger at us. Uh, by ten years from now, uh, it'll be the point of no return. We won't be able to go back and stop global warming." House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio has uh, sent out letters to two former Manhattan DA office attorneys seeking information that could support a claim. District Attorney Alvin Bragg's prosecution of former President Donald Trump is politically motivated. Well, duh. I mean, I understand why Jordan's doing this, but it's pretty obvious that it's politically motivated. And, And let's get into it a little bit more as far as that's concerned. The attorneys are Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn. They sought to prosecute Trump in 2022 on this exact same thing uh, that, that Bragg's doing right now. But Bragg had rejected their legal theories on that, and those two attorneys then resigned. Since then, Trump announced his candidacy for the 2024 presidential election And lo and behold, A.G. Bragg has changed his decision on prosecuting him. Jordan contends that Bragg's sudden change of heart was tied to the announcement and has criticized what he describes as a, quote, unprecedented abuse of prosecutical uh, authority. Uh, Bragg's office is investigating whether Trump was involved in paying hush money the Stormy Daniels during the 26 presidential campaign. Now that that statement right there is not exactly true. They're not worried that he paid money uh, and had her sign a non-disclosure agreement. For the most part, they're trying to say that political contributions were used to pay the 130 thousand dollars the Stormy Daniels, during the 2016 presidential campaign. The DA's office informed the court that the grand jury, who potentially could deliver an indictment, would convene again at 12 uh, in the afternoon uh, today. A source with the court told Fox News it's not clear if the grand jury would hear another witness or vote on a possible indictment today. Quote, this indictment comes after years of the district attorney's office aggressively pursuing charges with you and other special prosecutors leading the investigation into every facet of President Trump's finances. Last year, you resigned from the office over the AG's initial reluctance to move forward with charges in 2022. Bragg is now attempting to shoehorn the same case with identical facts into a new prosecution, Jordan wrote. Then he added, based on your unique role in this matter, we request your cooperation with our oversight of this politically motivated decision. In the letters, Jordan requests all documents and communication between the Manhattan DA's office and the Department of Justice, regarding the Trump investigation. He also requested all such documents and communications between the Manhattan DA's office and Pomerantz and Dunn. Jordan is also seeking all documents between the two officials and the Manhattan DA's office regarding their appointments as special assistant district attorneys. In January 2022, soon after Bragg took office, he expressed doubts about President Trump's case and suspended the investigation. This decision caused you and your colleague, Mark Pomerantz, to resign in protest. the Republican chairman wrote in the letter to Dunn. Quote, it now appears that your efforts to shame Bragg have worked as he is reportedly resurrecting a so-called zombie case against President Trump using a tenuous and untested legal theory. Jordan also sought to poke holes into the potential indictment, saying Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, could not fairly be considered an unbiased and credible witness. In addition, Bragg's star witness, Michael Cohen, has a serious credibility problem as a convicted perjurer and serial fabricator with demonstrable Prejudice against President Trump, the lawmaker wrote. 2018, Cohen had pleaded guilty to multiple crimes, which included paying hush money in an attempt to influence the election, lying, and campaign finance violations. The Ohio legislator concluded that the totality of these facts is that Bragg's impending indictment is motivated by political calculations. He went on to say the facts of this matter have not changed since 2018. No new witnesses have emerged. The Justice Department examined the facts in 2019 and opted not to pursue further prosecutions at that time. Even still, according to reporting, the investigation gained some momentum this year and Bragg's office convened a new grand jury in January to evaluate the issue. The only intervening factor, it appears, was President Trump's announcement that he would be a candidate for president in 2024, Jordan's dual letters come first uh, just days after Trump announced he would be arrested in New York. On Saturday, urged his supporters to protest. No arrest, by the way, was made. Only a small group of people showed up outside his Trump tower. So, uh... On and on and on this goes, and as the old saying goes, where it stops, nobody knows. Uh, I don't—I personally don't think they're going to indict the man. I think that they'd be foolish to—they've already seen. Look, if you look at last month's uh, polls, Trump and DeSantis were virtually tied for who was going to get the uh, Republican nod. I think it was like— 47% Forty-seven percent for Trump, forty-two-three percent for DeSantis, and now since all this new stuff has started coming up, uh, it's like forty-nine percent Trump, twenty-seven percent DeSantis. Uh, he's lost. Uh, he, he's 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 lost some uh, some momentum, and the reason being is that Trump's in the news every day, day in day out. You know, P.T. Barnum was right, you know, uh, bad, uh, bad information is just as good as good information as long as it's on the front page of the newspaper. You know, it helps you out. So, uh, Eli, Elon Musk is, uh, of course, he, uh, he he got involved in the conversation and said that if they indict Trump, he believes Trump to win Overwhelmingly in 2024, because people will see uh, how completely, you know, illegal this whole prosecution would be. And I don't know if I agree with that totally. I think he'll win the nomination hands down at that point. Uh, As far as can he win the general election? I don't know because you got to you got to supersede uh, you know people's not non uh, liking of Trump and as well as uh, you know picking up ballot boxes and things of that nature by the other party and thousands of votes suddenly appearing out overnight. So uh, we you know it's going to be an interesting year. This year is going to be very very interesting to say the least. Uh, It's been interesting as far as what's been going on. And, uh, uh, you know, Pierre got ripped yesterday in front of the press corps uh, because let let me just read this to you. White House Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre tried to dodge questions about the Biden family's connections to a Chinese energy, energy company during her press briefing. Fox News' Peter Ducey questioned her on the House oversight report from Thursday that revealed uh, Biden's son Hunter, brother James, and daughter-in-law Haley all received payments from associates connected to a Chinese business. Quote, House oversight says they've got bank records showing a Chinese energy company paying three Biden family members to a third party. What were they paid for? Ducey asked. Quote, look, I'm just not going to respond to that from here, the podium, Pierre. Uh, Look, we have heard from House Republicans for years and years and years how inaccuracies and lies when it comes to this issue. And I don't even know where to begin to even answer that question because, again, it's been lies and lies and inaccuracy for the past couple of years. And I'm just not going to get into it from here, said Pierre. Her response was attacked as gaslighting and lies by other members of the media, as well as the Twitter fear. Quote, Hunter Biden's legal team has publicly acknowledged that these pap- payments happened. The denial by President Biden and his dodge by uh, uh, the press secretary are nothing but gaslighting that from uh, Washington Examiner Justice Department reporter. Jerry Dunlevy. She's lying, National Review contributor uh, Shanker tweeted. The claim is so not true that KJP is unable to flatly deny it, conservative writer Doug Powers joked. Podcast host Ahmed Aslaken agreed she's lying and the press knows that she's lying to them. Washington Times commentary editor, Kelly Rydell wrote lies. What lies explained to us by explaining the Biden family transactions. Why? In fact, this is a lie. Radio host and Fox news contributor, Guy Benson said she went on to justify her non-answer by citing years and years of lies for Republicans. But her boss has told documented lies on this very subject. No response on the bank records is unacceptable. It's a legitimate question, and if it's just a new lie, prove it. So uh, things got uh, got crazy. Uh, Judicial Watch president Tom Fenton uh, questioned, saying, "Hmm, so she has information about the Biden cash machine? Congress should question her." No. Leftists are afraid," said Derek Hunter, Townhall.com columnist and radio host Matt Rooney said, but we're going to to, uh, prioritize prosecuting Trump for allegedly paying a porn star to not talk about sex. We're living in an insane time, folks, especially for my fellow 80s, 90s kids who were told it's okay to commit perjury if it's sex during the Clinton ordeal. Uh, uh, Author John Hawkins commented, it doesn't matter what BS excuses they come up with, for what they were paid for. Everyone knows they were really paid to influence uh, Joe Biden. Does anyone think all these companies that paid the Bidens didn't get anything for their money? Really? So uh, it's getting, getting interesting, to say the least. In response to this denial, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer demanded in a letter on Tuesday that Biden correct the record on his misleading and dishonest statement and to do it by March 27th. Quote, the committee is concerned about the national security implications of a president's or vice president's immediate family receiving such lucrative financial deals from foreign nationals and foreign companies without any oversight. So uh, they're drawing the The line in the sand, so to speak, uh, so to speak. They're they're putting it down in bright red. We'll just have to see if the Biden administration is going to step over it. And if they do, how are they going to defend themselves? We'll uh, get back to talking about what's going on in the country and get ready for our uh, 10 o'clock guest, Dr. Uh, Connor Cohen, as we
2: continue here on the Dave Ellswick. I know, I like to
1: draw you into these discussions sometimes. You gotta, I don't know, have you been following this story out of Florida about this Florida teenager who murdered his classmate? She was a 13-year-old cheerleader. Oh my goodness, Yeah. Oh. And uh, the mother, yesterday, it was a. there was a sentencing hearing because the kid uh, pleaded guilty back in uh, January. And this uh, young man is 16, he pled guilty to one count of first-degree murder. And that was the day jury selection was set to begin at his trial for stabbing Tristan Bailey. Now, let me talk about how heinous this was. He didn't stab her four or five times. He stabbed her, are you ready for this, 114 times. Oh,
3: my goodness.
1: And left her body in a wooded area near a pond. The mother appearing before the judge, said, Your Honor, I plead with you. Please consider everything he has done to our daughter and our family. Aiden made a, a heinous decision on May 9th of 2021 and took the very life that I brought into this world. Please do not for one second think that he would be rehabilitated at this point. He is beyond saving. Bailey spoke on the second day of a sentencing hearing held before Judge R. Lee Smith in a Seventh Judicial Circuit courtroom in St. Augustine. Tristan's father and three of her four older siblings also tearfully addressed the judge, urging him to impose the maximum sentence. Now, Smith, the judge, decides whether to give Fulci, who is being tried as an adult, a minimum of 40 years up to uh, life in prison. His decision could come as early as tomorrow. Fulci is not eligible for the death penalty because he committed the crime when he was 14. Bailey described the frequent nightmares that now haunt her visions, flood my head, how terrified she must have been, What went wrong in that moment of betrayal from someone she thought was her friend? Did she know it was coming? Did you wait for her back to be turned for the first strike of the knife? State Attorney R.J. Larizza previously revealed that Tristan had 49 defensive wounds on her hands, arms, and head, and that the tip of the hunting knife that the young kid used to kill her broke off in her skull. This was a vicious, vicious attack. Quote, she fought and our beautiful daughter suffered for so long as she, he took no mercy, Stacy said before staring directly at her child's killer who was wearing a red prison issue jumpsuit. Aiden, you have destroyed me and you have destroyed my family. Tristan's sister, Alexi, was the first family member to address the court. She took the witness stand without speaking and methodically placed 114 turquoise stones into a jar, which took nearly two minutes.
4: Mm.
3: Well, I'm sitting here reading the story, and, I mean, obviously, you know, this kid had some problems at home because in the article says associates told detectives he had a turbulent home life and would indulge in dark fantasies as a way to cope with the turmoil, which is not good. No. <laughs> Not a good home life. Evidently,
1: when you stab somebody 114 I mean, times, you're just, disturbed.
3: That is, uh, that uh, that's non liked. That's not what a 16 year old should. Well, a 14 year old at the time should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, this this is just a disgusting a disgusting thing
1: going on. So I, I guess it comes down to. Should he go for life without the possibility of parole, or should we say he's got to serve forty years, and maybe at the end of forty years you've been able to rehabilitate him i don't know if you I'm like the mother i don 't know if you can rehabilitate somebody like this that they're that vicious
3: yeah, because this was a coordinated attack you know i'm reading through this article and it says that he was actually talking to her and another classmate for. A certain amount of time before this all happened. And he just decided to choose her, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, with a hunting knife. Yeah, which is. That he um, broke the tip off on inside her skull because he was so viciously stabbing her. Unbelievable. I, I can understand where the mother's saying she's having nightmares because of it.
3: And where's. I want to know where the parents are from him. Yeah, we're not can't can't hearing imagine. about
1: them being in the courtroom. Yeah. That's, that's that's not, just, not that, happening. That, that pretty much tells you. Maybe we
2: need not an electric chair, but an electric couch. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get back to it here on the Dave Ellswick Show final hour. I've been
1: telling you for the last few days uh, that we had a special guest coming up here during this half hour and Dr. Bonner Cohen is going to join us. Uh, he is a senior fellow uh, at the National Center for Public Policy Research. We were lucky to to grab hold of him uh, at CPAC a few weeks ago and uh, I made uh, a, a really nice relationship with the folks that that handle his appearances and we'll be having him on more often here on the Dave Ellswood Show. Let me just give you a a background on the doctor. I I really want to do this. Articles by Dr. Cohen have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Investors Business Daily, New York Post, Washington Times, National Review, Philadelphia Inquirer, Detroit News, Miami Journal, Constitution, Miami Herald, and dozens of other newspapers in the U.S. and Canada. He's been interviewed on Fox, on CNN, Fox Business, uh, BBC, BBC Worldwide Television, NBC, NPR, uh, N24, which is a German-language news channel which, who had showed up in my studio uh, about a year and a half ago doing a, a story about talk radio, uh, voice of Russia and source of other radio stations here in the U.S., including my own, and Dr. Cohen has uh, testified before the U.S. Senate Committee on Energy and National uh, uh, Natural Resources, uh, environmental and public works, as well as the U.S. House Committees on Natural Resources and Judiciary. He's spoken at conferences in the United States, the United Kingdom, uh, Germany, and even Bangladesh. So what can I say? It's just uh, The man has a pedigree that is uh, uh, longer than my arm, to be honest with you. And it's good to have him on with us. Dr. Cohen, I want to talk to you day, today about the U.N. and this newest report they came out with dealing with global warming. If there's one thing I can always, always trust is that the U.N. will get it wrong. And um I think that they have gotten it wrong again. Why don't I just kind of turn it over to you and you can tell my listeners why
4: that is. Uh, yes I'd be happy to you know there are very few certainties in life but as you correctly pointed out one of those certainties is that the UN is going to come out uh, with a report on this that and the other And with certitude, we can say that that report is going to be wrong. And this one is no exception. A little bit on background. In 1988, uh, the U.N. created something called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC. And this was in reaction to uh, growing discussions led at the time by uh, Al Gore later joined by others uh, putting forward the idea uh, that we were experiencing a potentially dangerous warming of the planet caused in large part by our use of energy, specifically fossil fuels, the argument which actually went out and grabbed something that had been wafting around Europe ever since the middle of the 19th century, uh, that... Uh, Excess levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere were actually heat-trapping gases and would have, as a result, if those levels built up, a progressively warmer planet. Gore picked up this idea probably while he was in college embraced it 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 became his life's work so to speak he was soon joined by many more the global environmental movement which was becoming uh, ever stronger and by the way ever richer thanks to generous donations uh, and excellent political ties that they were able to make they saw something Uh, if you get control of energy you get control of the people who use and need energy bingo that is the road to power and lots of it and it's not just the road to power for certain people it's also going to be the road to wealth and so what the what the environmental movement did Uh, is in conjunction with uh, transnational bodies like the U.N. and others, we put out the idea that we need to take urgent action to keep our planet from overheating. That means doing away uh, with fossil fuels and replacing those fossil fuels with something. Uh, Right now, all the rage is renewable energy, Uh, wind turbines, and solar uh, panels. And it was able to catch on, I think, in in large part because, well, it sounds like such a noble thing, that if, in fact, there is a a danger from an overheating planet, uh, if you accept that premise, then we need to do something about it. And for a lot of people, they can go out and virtue si- signal uh, by buying such things uh, later on as uh, electric vehicles and uh, committing to lowering their so-called carbon footprint. Uh, it gave certain people a cause. And... It is also something uh, that has been spread throughout our uh, institutions, Uh, preschool, K through 12, universities, uh, but also in the corporate boardrooms, uh, the uh, corporate media, uh, social media. It's been a full-court press, and As, again, the UN has been a major uh, participant in all of this, it regularly comes out with these reports, uh, including the one you mentioned at the beginning of of the program that just came out a couple of days ago, and it was your standard issue uh, UN report, saying, among other things, that we were on the verge of crossing the temperature threshold after which we would lose control of the climate, the climate would heat up, and if we don't take urgent action within the next 10 years, uh, the world's 8 billion inhabitants will be facing a climate, climate disaster. Uh, now, what is the basis of all of that?
1: Yeah, th- see, that's, that's, that's the whole problem. The problem comes down when you start talking about facts, because they don't have anything that backs up what they're saying.
4: That's exactly right, because the whole uh, thesis of man-made global warming uh, is not uh, supported by climatological observations. The only thing they have going for them uh, are climate models. The problem with models is, stripped of their pretensions, they're nothing but guesswork. Mm Mm-hmm and you cannot model the climate because for all the brilliant people that we have in the world uh, we still don't understand everything that causes the earth climate to change when people say we need to do something to stop climate change, that's pure nonsense, because the climate's going to change regardless of what we of what we do. The term climate change is redundant. It's undergone many changes in the past, and it will undergo many changes in the future. And the notion that uh, bureaucrats, uh, Hollywood actors, uh, Broadway stars. Politicians in Washington, D.C., and elsewhere are going to take a few steps, uh, come up with some new resolutions, do away with gas stoves and things like that. All of that is going to stop climate, climate change in its tracks, is pure nonsense. The Earth has, in fact, warmed up about 1.7, 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit over the past 200 years. But that's simply the planet rebounding uh, from what we can call, or is called in in science, the Little Ice Age, uh, which ran from about 1400 to around 1800, 1850, a time Uh, when temperatures were much colder than they are now, hence the name Little uh, Ice Age. And by the way, atmospheric levels of carbon dioxide, which we should have learned in school as plant food, uh, were also down. That came on the heels of a medieval warming period, where temperatures were much higher than they are today. That followed a cooling off that roughly coincided with the fall of the Roman Empire. And during the time of the Roman Empire, temperatures were also very warm with vineyards throughout Great Britain. So you, you get the idea. Uh, Earth's climate changes for a whole variety of reasons. And the, and the notion that we are undergoing and I'll use another very fashionable term now, a climate crisis, uh, is simply at variance with uh, climatological observations that go back tens of thousands of years and even longer. I would remind people we've had 17 ice ages over the course of the last 2 million years. Think about that. On 17 different occasions, the Earth cooled off so much that we had ice sheets uh, beginning uh, in in the polar regions, stretching on some occasions as far south as Kentucky, and on seventeen different occasions, for reasons we don't fully understand, those ice sheets then melted, creating, by the way, in the process some of the Great Lakes and part of the Hudson Bay and what have you. Uh, that's real climate change. But so what, what, what are we living in now? We're living in an interglacial period, which means we're living between the last ice age and the next one. Well, you can go all through that UN document that came out two days ago, and you'll find none of this whatever. You'll see lots of fancy graphs and charts and all of this sort of thing, all of it Uh, first of all, designed to scare the bejesus out of you uh, so that you will approve actions being taken ostensibly on your behalf. But believe me, uh, they're not being taken on your behalf. They're being taken on the behalf of of people who want to increase their power and in some cases increase their wealth. Uh, You will see your standard of, of living diminish immensely as a result of what these people have in mind for you. That's that. That is the agenda, and I said it, It's it, the, they. They say that the people who call any of this in question are science deniers. They are exactly the opposite.
1: Well, that's so, Doctor. That's the way it always works with the left. The left points their finger at us and says you're this, when in fact, it's them that are the problem.
4: Oh yes, <laughs> exactly, because. People like John Kerry, who is uh, uh, President Biden's climate czar, uh, has absolutely no background in this subject whatsoever, absolutely zero. The same holds true uh, for the General Secretary of the United Nations, whose understanding of the climate is also absolutely zero, and anyone who calls any of this in question, as I said, is a climate denier, uh, even though they actually have the facts on their side. But that doesn't matter because there's too much power and too much money at stake here. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what this little game is all about.
1: All right. Well, let's take a break. i got to make some money here so that I can keep this station on the air. If you'll stick with me, we'll be back and finish up our our talk here on the Dave Ellswick show for today. We'll have you back on in the next couple of weeks, and maybe we'll we'll break this down into really bite-sized pieces so that people can understand better about what is going on with, quote, climate change. All right, more coming your way in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick show. Dr. Uh, Cohen is going to be right back with us. Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, don't forget about them, Uh, located at 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E. They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. It's my favorite jewelry store. I bought uh, my wife and I some real nice jewelry over the holidays, over the Christmas period, and have had nothing but great response from people who, who have seen it. My wife wears her necklace out where people can see it all the time. I'm like a typical guy hangs against my chest. I got a shirt on, you can't see it, but I, I wear the exact same thing. And it's a, a piece, a real nice piece of jewelry we both have that reflects our personal faith. And uh, it was made by the jeweler at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, Eric Coleman, who is a an artisan. The guy is amazing. You go see him, sit down with him, tell him what you want to make. Look, we got Mother's Day coming up. How about a Mother's Day ring with the the, your kids' uh, j- uh, birthstones in it and things of that nature. Help him design the one that would be perfect for your wife or your mom. Go see uh, Eric Coleman at uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, located at 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E, right here in Little Rock. They're open
2: again Monday through Saturday, 10 till 6. All right, back. Let's finish up with our uh, interview with Dr. Cohen.
1: He, of course, the senior fellow at the National Center for Public Policy Research. And we're talking about global warming. I've talked about it for years. I remember when I was in, in high school, doctor. In fact, I still have the I think it's a, a Time magazine that says the next coming ice age. That's the big title. On there, and of course, now it's all about global warming, and then they changed it to climate change so that they can never be wrong. I mean, the climate's always going to change. All you got to do is if you ever live down here in Arkansas, you'll find our climate changes hour to hour uh, easily. So, let's get back and, and talk real quickly, if we can, about these people that are saying. We're we're approaching the point of no return. Point of no return on how? I don't get it.
4: Uh, that is being said so that we will take measures as quickly as possible, and by the way, with as little thought as possible. Uh, that. Will, as I said earlier, put more power into the hands of the ruling class and to those people, such as purveyors of wind turbines and solar powers, uh, solar uh, towers, who stand to make a lot of money on this. That's why it has to be urgent. And what, ex- what what is the world going to look like that these people are trying to impose on us? Well, first and foremost, we're going to see our uh, access. To life-sustaining energy made more difficult, be prepared for rolling blackouts and brownouts, which is exactly what you're going to get from increased dependency on wind turbines and solar panels, intermittent energy, which exists solely because it's uh, heavily subsidized by taxpayers at the federal level and in some states. Why in the world is the United States, which achieved energy independence just a few years ago, meaning we exported more energy than we imported, now making ourselves dependent on none other than the People's Republic of China for our growing dependence on Intermittent energy, renewable energy. Why is that happening? Well, the Chinese control the supply chain for the uh, ingredients that go into uh, the batteries that will power all these millions of electric vehicles, EVs, that everyone assures us are going to be on our roads, as well as the raw materials found in wind turbines and solar panels. Uh, They have a supply chain uh, stretching through South America and Central Africa, and we are making ourselves dependent on them. From a geopolitical standpoint, that is pure lunacy, and we're going to see our um, liberties curtailed. Uh, Be on the lookout for such things as smart meters that uh, certain utilities may be trying to hustle you. Don't go anywhere near them uh, because they're actually surveillance devices that are going to not only monitor your energy use, but if it is determined by the powers that be that you're using, in their opinion, uh, too much energy, you're going to find that energy curtailed aside from the fact that you'll be paying more for it. So this is not a happy thing. Also be on the lookout for a shortage of personal transportation because we are told that in our great energy transition, we are phasing out uh, traditionally powered uh, cars and trucks and replacing them with electric vehicles. Where is the electricity going to come from?
1: That's a Uh, good question, isn't it?
4: Yes, it is. Uh, I can tell you what place it's not coming from. It's not coming from the local wind farm, and it's not coming from the local <laughs> solar array because they don't produce enough energy to do that. Mm-hmm. Once you answer that question, how is the energy going to be distributed? Well, there's only one way to do that. That's on high voltage pow- high voltage power lines tens of thousands of miles of high-voltage power lines that will be going through every neighborhood, every farm, every community in this country uh, to reach the uh, charging stations to power up EVs. Charging stations, by the way, which U.S. taxpayers are paying for, unlike the traditional gas stations, which are actually paid for by, by the gas companies and, right. and, and, and not taxpayers.
1: All right, Doctor, let me jump in. I'm going to bring our conversation to an end. I'll talk to your people. We'll get you on in a couple of weeks, and we'll decide where we want to go from there. But every couple of weeks, we're going to take on this subject here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and you're our man, okay?
4: Okay, happy to do it, and my best wishes to the people of Arkansas. All
1: right, thank you very much. Thank Dr. you. Dr. Connor Cohen here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Great guy, and uh, now you heard somebody who's giving you the facts now. He can continue to give you the facts as well. So I'm going to take a, take a break. Uh, we'll get some uh, local news for you, then we'll wrap it up for a Thursday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. That interview was worth waiting for. What a great interview here
2: on the Dave Ellswick Show.